Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the Unoff the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co host, my partners in crime, my brother, my mother, mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers. And guys, tonight's episode 27 titled The Beginning of the End. Because tonight we have on University of Tennessee defensive lineman Latrell Bumpus. And Randy, I know you're jacked up, you're ready, so I don't want to hold you back from getting into UT football. So guys, help me welcome onto the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, our man, University of Tennessee defensive end, Latrell Bumpus. All right, Latrell, my man, how we doing tonight? How we doing good? How are y'all? We're great. We are blessed as always, and we are pumped to have you, man. You know, football season is right around the corner, and we've had a couple guys on, but, you know, this is a big night for Randy because he is the biggest UT Vols fan that I know, and having you on is just going to prime the season and get, get him pumped up as well as our listeners pumped up for football season. But, you know, before we get into the University of Tennessee stuff, man, like take me back to the childhood days. Talk to me about where you're from. Was it a big city, little city? What was the family life growing up? Tell me. All right. Uh, I'm from Savannah, Tennessee. It's in West Tennessee. You might not have ever heard of that, but uh, I think we got a, a population of maybe like seven to 8,000. And growing up, I had uh, both parents in my home, and I had one brother, and we was always 10 years apart. Uh, I got into I got into football really because he always played ball, so we would just go out into the yard, you know, throw the football around, jack around, things like that. So that's kind of how I fell in love with the game of football. So being in a small city, seven to eight thousand people, do you like if you go to the grocery store, do you know somebody there? Is is that how small we're talking? Yeah. So like, you you our grocery store is like Piggly Wiggly. You know, Piggly Wiggly. It's only in small places. So you lie to see, you lie to know everybody in the store. I hear you. I hear you. So with that, is is it difficult or easy to get into sports, or do you got to travel outside of Savannah to, to play in any leagues, or do they have a big league within the city? Um, I say about from the age all the way from, you know, the river age they did starting to about 12 to 13, they pretty much got any sport you want to play as far as like tournament wise and stuff. But, you know, once you get older, you have to start traveling different places. Really, I experienced that for baseball. So as I got older, like the bigger tournaments were farther away. So that's kind of how when I had the disadvantage there. Gotcha. So you mentioned baseball. Any other sports you played growing up? Football, baseball? Uh, I played basketball a few years. I played I played like all the way to like third grade and I had stopped playing for a little bit. Played all the way through middle school and freshman year of my high school. All right, man, I got to ask, were you a hooper? Could you hoop a little bit? Uh, nah, I was I was more of a defensive guy. I like playing defense. Playing you know role. what? That That's the best answer anybody has ever told us because <laughs> we, get the, we get these cats and I'm not, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but there's a baseball team in Knoxville and they claim uh, to be, they they claim to be really good at basketball, 
but they can only tell us about that one time where they did this one thing that was just unbelievable. So yeah, they ain't got they ain't got no other time, do they? Right. And that's <laughs> that's my point being if you're harping on that one time, you're not good. Mm-hmm. And I like I like Chad Dallas. He's a great guy, but he he claims that he he can he can light it up, but I, I don't yeah. I don't believe it. I like how you said no names, but you said Chad Dallas. Well, I, I'm trying to find it's like where's Waldo with that guy? We haven't he's where is he? Mm-hmm. And Mo, Mo said he ain't even heard from him. So Latrell, if if you know who Chad Dallas is, if you see him on campus, tell him in off the benches, just we just wanted to do a wellness check on him. That's all. Uh yeah, I had a I seen somebody say something about him on social media today talking about they haven't heard from him or nothing. I don't know what he's up to. So with with football and baseball and a little bit of basketball, um, what would you say growing up was your your best sport? Was it always football? I, I picture you, you know, being really good at football because you're you're exceptional now. You're at a high level, but uh, was that always the case? Uh, no, actually, uh, actually, baseball was my number one sport all the way up to I think like ninth grade when I quit playing travel ball. And then uh, at that point, something just hit me and football just took over. So I just picked the football up and kept running with it, which I played both for all my life. But I think in high school at that point in time, I had just topped out at baseball and I was really just getting started in football. Were you the biggest kid on the baseball team? Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I was growing up. Every time we would go somewhere for like a tournament or something and we had to show up. I got my birth certificate because they didn't believe how old I was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what position did you play in baseball? Uh, I play outfield anywhere. I pitch and play first base. All right. So, when you were at the plate, you could swing it a little bit. Yeah, I could until I got to high school. I don't know what happened then. I just started swinging and missing it. <laughs> the the ball's moving up and down and left and right, man. Yeah, it was, it was going crazy. All right, so you you had baseball. You, you said you know up until high school, and then you know the, the travel part kind of you had to move outside of the city to, to really play travel ball. But as a football kid in Savannah, growing up, was the talent level in Savannah during football season was it high, or did you experience having you know as you got older, moving out of the city where you found like there to be a lot of talent? You say a lot of talent. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think once I got to high school, that's when the talent really, like, got far away from Savannah. Our district, I mean, it was pretty good, but overall, like, individuals, you had, like, so, for instance, we had Tisdale, Tariqis Tisdale, I think, I think he'd been on here before. We had him in Lexington, and in our division, that was the only one that really went D1. But once we went to, like, playoffs, we played, like, Memphis teams, and they had D1 players all over the field. Gotcha. So with with Savannah and, and and growing up, like you know, in baseball and football, who are you looking up to? Is it is it brother? Is it mom? Is it dad? Or is it just you know somebody you're seeing on TV? What what's the influence? Uh, I think my biggest influence was my brother. Just uh, we were so far apart, you know, in age and stuff. So he'd always just show me the ropes, which mainly in football. And then I say in basketball is my dad because that was always his number one sport. So 
when I needed somebody to go play basketball with or something, he'd always get out there with me. Was it was it tough love or they let you have some? Uh, it was tough for sure. It's still tough to this day. Got it's got to be, man. Yeah, it is. It's the best way to have it though. So I gotta ask, you know, we bring up the Tennessee baseball players, and you talked about travel ball. And back in the, back in those days, could you swing it better than Evan Russell? I I don't know, man. We was, we was close though. We was close. I think I batted uh like third or fourth, and he might have been batting my like second or something like that. But we had a pretty good team that year. So where all y'all travel all around Tennessee, or y'all really y'all go? all and leave around the state, uh, go to all the other states and play? Because you said you got to travel a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, that year we played together. We played a couple tournaments in Nashville, and we went to the University of Louisville and the University of Belmont. That was, I think that's all I can remember off the top of the head where we went to, though. I got you. I got you. So, and Mississippi State, too. Okay, there you go. That's, that's my neck of the woods. Uh, so, you know, moving on to when you got to high school, for those who don't know, where did you go to high school? Uh, Hardin County High School. All right. And is that big or small? Uh, we was 5A, and then my senior year we went down to 4A. Oh, man, you done ran everybody out of there. They had, to, they had to go down a notch. Yeah, we did. We, we was always, like, borderline. We had, like, a couple people over, and then they just kind of moved out. All right, well, I'm going to put you on the spot. We always ask this, man. Were you were you an athlete only, or, or were you good at academics also? Uh, I, was, I was pretty straight at academics, too, but more to that athlete side. I hear you. I hear you. But I had to – at my house, though, I had to have the grades, or you weren't playing no football. There you go. That's that's the way it's got to be. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, you know, let's let's get into it. You know, talk about your, your freshman year. You know, um, you said you were playing – multiple sports at that time. I think you even said you were playing basketball into that. So were you playing three sports yeah. into your freshman year? Yeah, I was. And uh, honestly, I think at that point, you know, just transitioning from middle school to high school, I, I think it was too much because uh, the way our football played out once we went to the playoffs, the week we got done, that Monday I had to go to basketball practice. So it was kind of the same thing. Once we finished with basketball, I had to go to football so I'm not football, but baseball. So it was just an ongoing thing. You never actually had enough break or time to recover. Yeah, it's different for all athletes. We've talked to, to numerous ones on here. Some like playing the different sports. They said, you know, it helped give them a break or, you know, they said sometimes the fundamentals, you know, help from one sport to the other. And then some like, you know, mm -hmm. you're saying focusing on one, uh, it really helped just to cut the other ones loose. But uh, clearly, you know, being where you are now, you uh, you picked the right one, and like you said, you you were struggling a little more to hit those baseballs, so it's all good. Yeah. So uh, freshman year, you know, were you on like a freshman team, or were you already on the varsity starting? Like, how how did it work in football? Oh, uh, so oh, uh, how did it happen? I was playing freshman ball, but the grade I was in, I was always a lot younger than people that was in my grade, so my coach didn't want to move me up. So once we got done. I think the high school varsity team still had like four or five games left to play. So I finished out and played them last few games with special teams with the varsity. I feel good though to get that bump up, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It did. All right. So I'm gonna assume though, sophomore year, that's when you really started to take off. You was up on varsity. Were you uh were you getting the starting time then? Yeah, I was starting in. I was playing uh DN and uh H back receiver. When did you, you know, you're a big guy. When did you hit your growth spurt? Was was it 
early in high school or late in high school? When did you hit that? Uh, I think I actually hit my growth spurt in like second middle. grade. <laughs> yeah, it probably was second up grade. I think it was. I think it was middle school because I'm like borderline six four now, but in middle school I think I was like six three something like that. So I really didn't grow too much once I got to high school. Because I know in middle school, I was running like a size 15, and I still wear 15 today. Man, big in middle school, big now, size 15, kidding me? Mm-hmm. But uh, all right, so, you know, you uh, you played tight end, you know, were you more of a blocking tight end in y'all scheme, or were you more getting the pass catch? You know, I know the reason I asked is because uh, Daniel, the, the host, he played tight end for our school, but... Um, you know, we were more of a, a run-heavy offense, so wasn't getting to catch yeah. any passes. What were you getting to do? Uh, I would I would say the style of our offense, I was more blocking. And then on third down, that's kind of when I came alive because we had a running quarterback, so we mainly focused on that right there. I got you. So when when did uh at any point did you really get to start showcasing them hands and show and showing what you could do? Uh, I would say it was sophomore year, really, because uh, I think it all started. Uh, it's on my Instagram page somewhere, but uh, it's like the end of the game. It was the last play, and I caught the game when it touched down. Right then, uh, yeah, I think we had like three seconds left. One game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look that up. That's what's up. Yeah. All right, so we we get through sophomore year, and you you know you've established yourself. Um, you know, in junior year. I mean, I got everything listed for your senior year, so I'm trying to get the the walk through before I get you to tell us the story because. Man, what you did senior year is out there for everybody to know. So junior year, you know, uh, you know, continue to talk about how you developed. How good? How good was your team? Like, was your was your team competing in playoffs? Like, you know, tell me about that. Yeah, uh, we actually had a really good team that year. I think that was probably the best team I had in high in high school. I think we went to the second round, but I mean, at that point, we played uh, like Memphis East or somebody like that. And they just have way more bodies than what we had, so. You know, they're running too deep when they second second string can come start at our school, you know, any day. So we just kind of, you know, just topped out, really. They have no much left in the tank. Man, hey, I, I get it. Our our team was topped out with about everybody we matched up with. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, at least you made it to them playoffs. But, uh, yes. you know, uh, so senior year, man, obviously, when you look at this, you know, you were a four-star recruit top 10 in Tennessee, uh, you know, you attended Nike's, the opening regionals, uh, semifinals for Mr. Football Lineman. I mean, I could go, I can go on, man. This, this accolades list is long. So, I mean, clearly, you know, maybe it wasn't, you just said junior year might've been the best team wise, but senior year, you had to have really turned it up individually to, to be noticed like this. So, um, you know, when did schools, you know, start approaching you? When did you realize, like, I mean, you've always been big, you've always been good, but when did you realize, like, man, I'm really good and I'm going to the next level? Uh, uh, see, freshman, I just remember my freshman year of high school, we had uh, Coach Stripling from Tennessee and Coach Harris from Ole Miss at the time. And uh, we had another guy, he was kind of, he was really similar to me, and they came up there and talked to him, but my coach introduced him to me. So they kind of like, you know, I guess put me on alert thinking that, you know, I can go play at the next level and it made me really want to try. So sophomore year, I started going to camps and stuff, but I started doing really good. So it kind of just carried over and gave me the confidence to where I am today and made me just realize that I can actually go do it. And I think that year 
I had got like my first offer too from I think Mary State. And then it just took off after that. So before you tell me when you chose Tennessee, was there, you know, some some guys already knew where they wanted to go. They got the offer and it was mm-hmm. done. And then some there's a top, you know, top three that they were choosing from. For you, was there was there schools there was there a top three you were choosing from? Uh I mean, I had a top three, but at the end of the day, I think that Tennessee was the only place I was going to wind up at. Because I say that because growing up, you know, I was talking about playing baseball and stuff, and my goal was to play baseball at the University of Tennessee. And then, you know, once football took over and got the offer from football, I really couldn't see myself going anywhere else. So for those, for those that aren't seeing it on a – on my my notes like I got you know tell everybody who your favorite Tennessee Vol was growing up and and inspired you uh growing up and inspired me uh I would think I'll definitely go with Derek Barnett Mm -hmm. yeah that's what they got on here man and that's a stud and I'm gonna let Randy dive into that with you in just a second this is gonna be my last question you know because you said you chose Tennessee um, you know, when did you make that decision? Was it sophomore, junior, senior? When did you make that decision? Uh, I, uh, I can't I can't really remember, to be honest, but I think it was the summer of 2016 at Red Carpet Day. I mean, Orange Carpet Day. Or that might have been 2017, not sure. But it was then. I remember I played a whole season committed. So I think it was 2016. It was June 18, 2016. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. I, I remember that for a lot of reasons. Not that I just upset, you know, I'm not like stalking you know, but that's my daughter's birthday, yeah. so it's easy to remember. But we big Tennessee fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot, and and one of the one of the guys that committed in the same class as you is obviously uh, Trey Smith. I obviously plays on the opposite yeah. side of the ball with you, but man, what a what a stud! And obviously, he's already making waves in the NFL. You know, looks yeah, like he might even get to start. You know. Mm-hmm. So what what was it like just before we dive into you? What's it like playing with a guy like that? Because he just always seemed to be the big personality, and he was just such a stud. And there for a yeah. while, we didn't throw maybe he wouldn't even play anymore because of the blood clot things. And he, just to see the success that he's had has been crazy to me. Uh, it was it was definitely great. You know, uh, I go first. I start off from like a practice standpoint. Once I went to D line, you know, in order for you to play at that next level, you got to play against guys like that. So. In practice, I'd always try to get reps against him, you know, try to get better. You know, they say iron, shopping iron. And then, uh, you know, kind of when he got sick, it just made you look at ball different because, you know, like, you never know when it can be taken away from him. You might not be able to play tomorrow, but he's a strong man. You know, he fought through it, and it's paying off to this day. He's a strong man in every sense of the word, physically and mentally. Yeah, yeah. So, did you guys? I mean, obviously, Savannah's not Jackson, but Jackson and Savannah not too far apart. Did you never play against Trey in high school? Uh, no, we actually played against each other in middle school, but I never yeah. really knew. I never really knew who he was at the time. I just remember playing USJ. Right, absolutely. So, just but back to let's jump on you real quick, Latrell. So, you coming from Savannah? You know, obviously, I'm very familiar with the area. My family's from up around there. Uh, we talked about that with uh, Evan Russell and the boys. Now, talk to me mm-hmm. about what the emotions were like. When you do sign with Tennessee, you're going to make the trip to East Tennessee. What were the emotions like when you finally signed it on that dotted line? Uh, it was just like a – I guess you would say a sign of relief just because that was one thing that, you know, it's off your list. Now now it's just time to get to school, really. So, at that point, I was really excited and couldn't wait. But at the same time, you know, I was trying to enjoy my last few months of senior year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you got to soak all that in, man. Some I look back on those – some of the best days – 
of our lives. You know, I went to high school with both of these guys. Those are good times for sure. But you, you move on, you make the trip to East Tennessee first day on campus. You know, obviously I've been to Knoxville a million times, but never as a student, certainly not ever as a star athlete coming in as a four star as part of a top 15 recruiting class. So talk about what that was like going, being on campus that first day. Oh, actually, uh, our first day, because we get there in the summer, because you got to take summer classes. And uh, I think I was expecting more. I was expecting to turn out how the fall did, because yeah. I think in the summertime at the time, it was on, like, football, basketball. And baseball didn't come to, like, June, July, I think. So it was just kind of empty. But I think it worked out great because it wasn't, like, too fast for nothing. So once the fall came around, it was kind of broke in and, the speed of college life didn't really surprise you any. Yeah, I always say that Knoxville really is like two cities, right? You got the Knoxville mm-hmm. that's not in, like you said, spring, summer, that's a different town. And, and then in the fall, you get hundreds of thousands of additional residents, you know, for yeah. for games on Saturday. So uh, that's, it's, I, I love it. It's beautiful up there as well, especially all around it. But so you get out there, you come in the summer, you're taking classes first practice you're getting in against these guys obviously Tennessee had coming off of a little bit of success right that's why you commit there you know looking mm-hmm. and you got guys on the team you're you're coming there to play tight end right you're kind of both but I think you were on the depth chart as a tight end that first year right yeah I was the first first two years for sure first two mm-hmm. years so you're playing I think it was uh the, the Wolf brothers maybe were there as the tight yeah one of them was a starter uh, Ethan he had Ethan Eli and Jakob Johnson yeah, man. So what was it like just battling against those guys? You felt like I, I belong here. This I'm as good as these guys. I can get some reps in. Yeah, like they definitely gave me the confidence because I remember when you first come in here, you know, you're trying to learn the playbook. So there was plenty of days where we would stay out to practice, just harping on the playbook or just working extra. So they kind of just showed me the ropes, you know, from them being old heads, which I think one of them might have been like a fifth year senior or something like that. So that kind of that's you now, right? Yeah, it is. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it's fifth year go by too fast. Yeah, so you, you coming in, I think it was like that first game, you got like a kickoff classic against Georgia Tech. So what was that mm-hmm. like first game? You're traveling down nationally televised game. Obviously, it didn't go exactly the way until the end, right? Tennessee kind of sneaks yeah. in there. You get a couple of touchdowns at the end. How big was that win to get your first win in uniform? Mm-hmm. I, it was great. You know, I was, I was wanting to play really bad, but I didn't get to play that game. But yeah. overall, it was just a great experience. And uh, you can't really describe it unless you were really there. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. I think we was like the second or third team to play in the Mercedes-Benz at the time. And then it just – it kind of – I ain't going to say it played out perfect, but it was kind of perfect. Well, I lost perfect. a lot of hair and a lot of a lot, a lot, a lot of my years off my life that, that couple overtime game, man. Y'all was mm-hmm. cardiacing me, man. But – you, get, you pull out that win, obviously. Then your next game is it, your first game at, you know, in Knoxville, in Neyland Stadium, running through that team, man. I've always wondered, what is that like? Yeah, uh, it's very loud, and it's just crazy. I don't I don't know, man. I don't know how you could get, like, the experience, you know, without actually being on there. But yeah. it's just something that you can't describe. And I know nothing else has compared to that. Vaughn was no. pretty close, but. Power the team different. Yeah, man, it's it's one of the best traditions. Even if I wasn't a Tennessee fan, I would say it's one of the best traditions in college football, just because it's the pageantry of it all. I, I love it, the Vol mm-hmm. Navy, the whole thing. So, 
obviously you pull out that win and, and we're not going to go over every game your freshman year because it really you know it doesn't go the way that everybody wants it to go you know first team yeah. to lose eight games whatever so we're not gonna go through all that just really talking more about your journey and how you grew and what you took away from your freshman year at Tennessee uh freshman year my biggest thing was uh you know was just getting your playbook and this uh you know get to just get to know people no matter who it is you never know who you might need at the end of the day kind of you know and then uh, that's when, like, it was, you know, you come to college and stuff, you know, you're thinking about ball, you're not really thinking about getting your degree and stuff. But we had a guy, his name was, like, Ike Brown. He was our player development guy, and he just always hard getting your degree and stuff. And uh, I finally got it, and it felt really good. No, that's 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 awesome. That really is what it's all about. But you're right, it's hard to see that. So you're talking about kind of growing up, seeing who has your back. When it doesn't go the way you want it to, obviously the coach, you know, Butch gets let go or whatever. Was there a sort of a galvanization of the team and everybody's like, you know, it's us against the world mentality now? Yeah. Uh, I, I guess you would kind of say that because it was always like, you know, each year people thinking, you know, Tennessee's not going to be any good or anything like that. So it's always you got a chip on your shoulder and you got to take every game, you know, to heart, stuff like that. Absolutely. So in a, in a season, the freshman year still, we're, we're there for just one more minute. You go, it doesn't go the way you wanted to, but what's, what's one thing you took from your freshman year that really has helped you these last couple of years? Oh, uh, you know, uh, fight through adversity because everything is not going to go your way. And you can't just, you can't get down on, you know, one situation. You got to keep moving forward and keep stacking days. No, absolutely. So going into your sophomore year, obviously, you know, you, you play a lot more. I think you played in all 12 games, still tight in, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But um, so just talk about what that growth was like for you. Obviously, you have an, a, a change in, you know, the head coach, change in staff, changing a lot of players, you know, but just talk about what that was like. Obviously, it's adversity, but was it galvanized again? Are you guys looking at us against the world and we're going to do the best we can for each other? Yeah, I think uh, we was we was more tight as a team then. You know, we were just trying to fight for one another because, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the man in the room to come down to it. So, and I think I grew, you know, physically and stuff like that because I know I noticed myself on the field, like, dang, I can actually compete with these guys, you know, hold my own work. You know, coming in as a freshman, you're not all the way developed yet. So, I kind of – I seen the growth there for sure. Let's talk about that growth for a second, Latrell. So, obviously, you make the move to defensive line. I think it was the end of your sophomore year. And – you mm -hmm. do put on some size, right? So what was that process like for you? Uh, it was like as far as, as far as putting on size and stuff, it's been pretty easy because I I have never like really struggled too much, you know, as far as putting on weight when I needed it. So that part was pretty easy. It just uh come down to putting on the right weight, you know, muscle mass and things like that. And then uh just you know, working extra, getting the technique down and fixing the little things. Yeah, no doubt. You talked a little bit about earlier about Derek Barnett, and obviously everybody knows everything about him. He was one of the best linemen, you know, probably since Reggie White. But on that mm -hmm. on that team, I think it was your freshman year it would have been, you still had guys like Shy Tuttle, Khalil McKenzie, all those guys yeah. that are still in the league right now. So was even though you started playing tight end, are those guys that you ever leaned back on and watched their tape or even reached out to them and talked to them about what they did to get there? Yeah, uh, I know I've talked to Shy a few times. Shy and uh, – Kyle Phillips a lot, and then uh, DT, Daryl Taylor, you know, he comes around oh, yeah. and so we still talk. And they just, you know, kind of give us advice, you know, tell them, tell us what helped them grow on, on and off the field too. 
No, absolutely. So your, your junior year, you're you're kind of full time defensive line now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, kind of doing your thing. So just talk about you like that side of the ball better. Or you still kind of miss catching it sometimes. Uh, I I definitely miss catching sometimes, but I think you know coming to college now, uh, once I got settled in, I think D line is a spot for me. Absolutely, I, I agree. Just from watching you play, so. Uh, sticking with that junior year, you're playing defensive line. Is there any a game that sticks out to you that's like you're I made it at defensive line? Like I know I can do this and get to the next level. Oh uh, yeah, that that BYU game when I got my first set. That game really, you know, gave me confidence. What's that? Know. What's that celebration dance like, Latrell? Talk us through it. <laughs> I I ain't much of a dance. I'm more just you know make the play and keep going. I let everybody else do the dance. Just head down. Like, they know what just happened. They felt me. I ain't got to uh-huh. dance for it. Yeah. Feels good, though. Yeah, so going into, the, you know, the, this last year, um, your your senior year, um, again, you know, probably doesn't go the way you want it to, but you're you're playing. You, you get, you're, you're kind of hitting your stride now, right? But mm-hmm. then you, you face an injury, you know, later in the season. So just talk about what that's like and what that process is like. You, you've been through a lot, right? In your four years, yeah. you've been through coaching changes, Injuries, you move from offense to defense. So you talked about adversity a few times, but you've been uh, through more than most, Latrell. You've really seen a lot at Tennessee. Yes. Uh, you know, seeing year, I was really, you know, getting comfortable at D-line. I think that was but my second year at defensive line. So I just kind of felt like, you know, all the pieces was falling together, things like that. So uh, I think Arkansas game was like our fifth or sixth game, and I get hurt in pregame warm-up, which, uh, you know, I – it felt bad on the field, but I didn't know how bad it was. So I didn't get to finish that game. So once I figured out, you know, what was wrong, uh, I had a choice, you know, to get surgery or, you know, try to let it heal on its own, but I still won't be able to play. So I thought it was best, you know, just to go ahead and get surgery and get it fixed so I can get back as fast as possible. And then, uh, you know, from an adversity standpoint, I really just talked to other guys on the team that had, you know, knee surgery and asked them, you know, what helped them get through it and helped them stay positive. Yeah, absolutely. So that senior year, before you get hurt, was you talked about, you know, what game stood out to you, the BYU game. Was there a game your senior year, you said you're hitting your stride, you're really feeling like you're comfortable. Was there a game, again, that you're like, man, this is where I'm supposed to be, and now now you're looking past college. I can get to the next level. Maybe I can make some paychecks yeah. on Sundays. Uh, I, I definitely think, you know, regardless of the outcome, I thought that, you know, Georgia was a pretty good game. You played awesome. Mm-hmm. You did, no doubt about that. So, obviously, you like I said, man, you've been through so much, Latrell, and obviously it's being a Tennessee fan, you know, I've watched the rise, uh, you know, of just the team and just the guys that have stuck there. You know, it's a lot to be said about that, being through all the coaching changes. Now you're going through, this has got to be, I mean, it's your third head coach, right? The yeah. whole staff's turning around. You've had players come and go. But through that time, guys like you and Trey, you know, Jawan, Jenny, just some, those are just a few names that stand out. You know, the ones that stayed – I guess that's really the definition of the VFL, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's easy to leave and, you know, try to go find better. But a lot of times, you know, you might leave and things aren't better. But I always looked at it at the end of the day, I couldn't really see myself going anywhere else. So I would – you know, my heart's always here. No, absolutely. So I just got one more thing for him. I'm going to turn you back over to Jim. Um, the, you talked about it earlier, graduating, getting your degree. Mm-hmm. How special was that, not only for you, but to your family, to your parents? Yeah, uh, it was great. You know, it was really special because I'm the first to graduate 
in college. So, you know, I'm setting setting the uh, you know, the bar high for, you know, my kids or, you know, my nephew in the future. Absolutely. That's what's up. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I gotta say something right off the top, you know, and this speaks to Randy and it talks about, you know, he was talking about your coaching changes and the adversity. Um, guys like him, I'm from Tennessee, so I'm familiar with a ton of Tennessee fans. You see the LSU stuff in the back, but man, his dad's a Tennessee fan. My dad's a Tennessee fan. <laughs> the Tennessee fans, man, they're loyal. And that and that yeah. you, gotta, you gotta love it. Um, you know, like you said, it's hard when you're going through coaching changes and seasons aren't hitting the expectations. Um, guys like my dad, guys like Randy, uh, they got your back 100. That's why he gets so excited and talking to you. And I, that's something that I appreciate about the Vol Nation. Um, we're a part of the, the fan groups and stuff. And uh, man, y'all got y'all got a great fan base, and I and I love that. And they're they're really excited about this year, which is what I want to talk about. But first, before we can even talk about your expectations or team expectations, we got to know how that knee is. I mean, is it is it good to go? Yeah, it's good to go. I've been doing everything this fall camp, you know, wide open. So uh, I haven't had no any issues, you know, still still rehabbing though, just to keep it up. You know, don't want to get down or anything like that. But it's it's back it's back all the way right though. Were you able to participate back in the spring, or were you still out completely then? Uh, I was out completely then. I didn't do any spring practice. So while they was practicing, I was working out, you know, running and things like that, trying to get stronger. Were you able – but you were there attending, watching, seeing the, the progress of the team? Yeah. Uh, so, like, I would start practice, you know, go outside and warm up. And then I would go – I would go inside and work out. And then by the time I get done working out, they would start, like, the 11-on-11 11 periods where they going against each other. So, every day I got a chance to watch that. And so, how did you feel um, – because, you know, that gives you a little perspective. How did you feel watching? Did it, did it make you feel really good to see what, what you were seeing during spring? Uh, yeah, it did, you know, and then uh, my biggest takeaway, you know, from not being able to practice was uh, just getting my mental side of the game, you know, down. So once you're not practicing, you get to look at football from a different standpoint. You're not actually, you know, out, out there on the field running around, you actually into the playbook, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I guess you kind of say like being a coach kind of. Yeah, perspective, perspective changes things for sure. So, you know, mm-hmm. what most people know is we had to reschedule with you because, you know, y'all been putting in the time late at night. And so, man, talk about before school started, you know, today, like what what was practice like? I mean, you know, and, and the fact that y'all were late, I mean, were y'all putting in some serious hours here recently? Uh, yeah, I would say it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't as late as what we used to do, I don't think. But it was more it was more quality hours, I would say. So really just, you know, breaking down film. Uh, you know, a lot of times we would be watching film and the coaches wouldn't even be in there. So, you know, just getting one on one with the players, you know, seeing their side of things to, you know, if we all seeing the same thing, then we all we all doing right. Yeah, no doubt. So before I ask you about expectations, um, what is what are the coaches saying to you right now? What are, what are they motivation, inspirational expectations. What are they saying to you guys? Uh, you know, just take it take it one game at a time. Uh, do the little things right, you know. And if every man is doing their job, you know, all 11 men, you know, coming together, then we'll like the outcome at the end of the day. So what would you say is the teams feel? Everybody always says, you know, 
Um, you say one game at a time, but, you know, ultimately there's a goal. Is it just starting with – is it simply the team – it's the SEC East? That's that's where you start? Like, we, we yeah, win the East? Yeah, you got you to gotta start there. You got to win the SEC East because, you know, if you win if you win that right there, it sets you up for, you know, whatever else is next. So, I definitely think that's number one there. Well, let me tell you what you can't do, Latrell. Look, you know, Randy's a Tennessee fan, but regardless of me and Daniel being fans of different schools, we all three universally hate Florida. You cannot, mm-hmm, yeah. you cannot that. lose that game, Latrell. Don't let me down, man. Nah, well, yeah, we're going to go to the swamp and take care of you. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> all right, so for you personally, um, do you set, like, expectations for yourself of what you want to do? I'm not saying, like, you lay out stats or anything, but, mm-hmm. like, is, is there anything, like – and you don't even got to say it, but do you, do you lay out expectations for yourself on what you uh, what you want to achieve within the season? Uh, I, I would say, yeah, you know, you always got stuff in the back of your head. So, you know, just being – my main thing this year is, you know, being all SEC, first team. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's – having the best D-line. You know, there you go. There you go. Yeah. That, hey, that's that's what you got to do. So this is the question that really we ask you to look inside yourself, and, and we I want the honest answer, Latrell. If there is one thing that you got to do to be better this year, you personally, you got to do, what is it? Uh, definitely I got to use my hands better, you know, take care of the small things, you know, uh, whether that's footwork and then, uh, you know, just keying blocks, you know, recognition. Gotcha. All right. I got one last question. It's Tennessee based, but it ain't about your season. Cause I seen you, I seen you like it on Instagram right before our episode. And since you see the Saints stuff behind me, how about that boy Marquez Callaway? Cause you played with him for a few years. How about that? Yeah. Hey, he's balling, man. I'm glad to see him, you know, make it and do good. It's going to pay off when that next, when that next payday come around. Yeah. Randy told me when, when the Saints got him, he said, you got a stud, just wait. And so then, you know, last year he started getting turned up and here he is in the preseason. Randy already hit me with the text and I told you, man, tenant. Of course, any, any ball that's ever came to the Saints, whether you're talking about Kamara, Mitchell, Tuttle, they, they, Tuttle. Yeah. Hey. Uh, I actually just got him. I got him on my fantasy team yesterday. There you go. Oh yeah. Hey, before, before you go to DB, I got to ask you about another receiver. We talked about him earlier in Jawan Jennings, man. Obviously, he doesn't – and had quite the success Callaway has yet, but is he – I mean, is he absolutely the dog that he seemed to be from the fans watching? Oh, uh, yeah. So, whatever you see from Jawan, like you, your fans, that's what you get every day out of him. He's – I ain't going to say like a little kid energy, but he's wide open 24-7. That's probably the most energetic grown man I've ever met. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. That dude couldn't tackle, man. He was a guy that just would not go down. Yeah, he was stout. He was stout. All right, Latrell, man. You got everybody excited. You got Randy. Like, I don't even think he can wait for, for opening day for you guys. So, um, with that, man, let's let's transition into a quick little game. Have, have a little All fun right. with you before you get out of here, man. It's okay. uh, it's called this or that. It's very simple. Easiest game right. you'll ever play. I give you two options. All you have to do is pick one or the other. You just mm-hmm. can't. You just can't say both, and you can't say neither. So okay. you have to decide. You got to choose one. All right. First question: Who, who hits the ball further, you or Evan Russell? Me. <laughs> How far do you think you could hit a baseball? I, I get 500 foot. Oh, Ooh. I get it. I uh, believe you. Now, 
if we're talking wood bat, I don't know, but aluminum bat, I get 500. Man, okay, okay. Hey, Daniel, you know, we always start stuff on this show. It looks like we need to do a little home run derby. The man is 6'3", 290, 290. That boy got the mitts. He actually said he pushing 6'4 earlier. Give him his credit. Yeah, listen, man. You better talk to UT, baby. All I'm doing is reading what they got, baby. What you, you pushing 300, too? It's all muscle, no, baby. No, I'm, I'm about, I'm about 80, 88 right now. Oh. Crap. We'll stick and with I'm 290, then. I'll yeah. I tell you what. I'd, I'd pay to see it. If you're claiming you can hit a 500, I want to see it. So yeah, because I uh, I remember when I was 13, I think we were playing in Mississippi. I think it was Horn Lake, Mississippi, or something. I hit one 420. Okay. <laughs> 13 years <laughs> old. And hey, yeah. hey, and that and that's my backyard, and that's where I used to coach. Randy, I might have coached against him. Hey, I might have been the one asking it. to see his birth certificate. Probably, yeah. I, I probably would too. Dude rolled up about six one and thirteen years old. Like who? Who is this guy? Come on now. All right, Latrell. Would you rather never wait in line or never catch a red light? Never catch a red light. Are you? Are you late? Are you a late guy? Are you someone who? No, I'm right on time. Okay, so that would help you be early, which. In, in the sports world, early is on time. Yeah, it is. It is. All right. So, would you rather look strong, but you're actually weak, or would you rather look weak, but actually be strong? Look weak and actually be strong. Are you, you trying to fool folks on the line yeah. out there? Yeah, they'll be surprised once you hit yeah. them. All right. Would you rather spend 10 years in a coma or five years in jail? Five years in jail. <laughs> hey, but he's the first hey, guest that I believe can handle it. Hey, it'd be rough, but I couldn't be. I don't think I could be sleeping 10 years, though. I'm going to tell you this. You better give me that 10-year nap because <laughs> five years in jail, that's rough. Yeah, I mean, it is rough. But, Daniel, the last few guys who picked jail weren't 6'4", 290 either. <laughs> and... and they wouldn't have made it. No, some of them were like six foot two hundred. Yeah, they look like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they. Evan was one of them. Evan chose it because Sean chose the nap. You say uh, Evan chose jail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. He bold. He bold faced lied right to all of us on this podcast. <laughs> so, would you rather be the first pick in the draft? And they said. By being the first pick, you can't have any more of your friends. No friends at all. Or would you rather be the last pick in the draft but be able to keep your friends? Uh, I'll go last pick. Keep your friends? Mm-hmm. And then just, uh, yeah. Would Mr. You rather, relevant but relevant. relevant. Yeah. Would you, would you rather take? 25,000. If I said, here you go, the trail, here's 25 grand. Or I said, you can keep it, or I'll give you 100 grand, but you have to give it to all your friends. What would you do? You got to give, you got to give all the 100 to your friend. You got to split it out and you would get zero dollars. You would just be able to split it amongst your friends. You could give one friend all of it. You could get multiple friends pieces of it, but you would get zero. Uh, my situation right now. I would go with the hundred thousand. Man, to your just friends. I, 
Yeah, you ain't you ain't I, keeping no bag. Nah, just because I got I got a friend. He he really need it right now. He going through something. Golly. Oh man, what a good dude! Yeah, Lee. The next gotta, question gotta, ain't gotta, even gonna be worth it, DB. We already know what it's gonna be. <laughs> I gotta go. Up I don't know. Well, I'm gonna ask it anyways because we ask it to everybody. Would you mm. rather have money or would you rather have friends? Uh, money. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, he fooled right. us. Randy, help me rationalize all these they things probably, I just heard. No, it makes sense to it. In my warped mind, it makes absolutely perfect sense because you're there for your boys. You obviously loyal as they come, but you got to get the bag, baby. At the end of the day, yeah, you got to take care of Bumpus, baby. Mm-hmm. You got to get it. Well, you do understand that first pick would come with a lot of money where that last pick wouldn't, and that's where you could have just dropped them friends and got that got that bag there. Yeah, that, that is true too. But he it wants them true. all to eat. But if it comes down yeah. to it, do or die, he get in the bag. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking about something right now. Mm. Hey, shout out to you, man. I, I I do like that answer. You you base it upon a situation that somebody needs something, and you if you got a chance to help them, you're gonna help them. So I I gotta do nothing but respect that. Um, with that, man, anything you want to plug or promote? Uh, not I ain't got nothing right now for the promote. Now, on top of my head, I don't. Just make, sure you come, just make sure y'all make sure y'all come catch a game. Oh, absolutely, it's going down. September second. What's, What's that yep. Instagram name for everybody to come follow you? Uh, Latrell underscore bumpers. Get it. All right, Latrell, man, we're gonna let you bounce, man. I I, I thank right. you for joining us, man. We wish you the best of luck. If there's anything that you need from us along the way, please reach out to us and. Okay. Who knows? We're gonna bring you back on. We're gonna talk some more. You know, at the end of the season, maybe you guys right. got an SEC championship. Maybe you you got a playoff spot. Who knows? The the, the world yeah. is all yours, man. So good luck to y'all. I appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, man. That's Latrell Bumpus. Follow him at Latrell underscore Bumpus on Instagram. We're gonna take a quick break. Plug our sponsors. When we come back, we're gonna do some headlines. Tattoos have become more of a normal part of society and, you know, one of the things that's a common mistake that people do is they just go anywhere, you know, closest place maybe, whatever's convenient and a lot of times they get a piece of art that stays on them forever that maybe they don't like so much. So let me help you and eliminate that problem. Go see Jeff Lee Watts. Easy Flea Tattoos. You can find him on Facebook or Instagram, and you can find him at 1731 Dancy Boulevard in Horn Lake. Number is 662-280-0763. All right, boys. So you know I've struggled with pain. You know I've struggled with weight loss. You know I've struggled with anxiety, and you know I've struggled with sleep. What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things? True Life Dispensary pain relief without narcotics, sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around. Welcome back to the End Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. We're going to lead off tonight with some Major League Baseball action. We got Miguel Cabrera, the newest member of the 500 Club. Jim, I'll ask you first, man. Is this is this a big deal? Are you a Miggy fan? 
I am a Miggy fan. He won me like three fantasy baseball championships. So, you know, automatically right there. But I even think about how this season started. You remember the first game that got kicked off to start the season and it was snowing and he hit a home run and didn't even realize that he thought it was a double. Anyway, yeah, now that you mention it, I, I remember saying I have no way in hell. I don't have an idea how that guy even hit the ball, much less sees the ball or unbelievable. And but it's, no, like, it's unreal. But I think the thing that everybody talks about um, when it comes to talking about the 500 home runs versus the other guys who've done it, it's the batting average, right? It's the career 310 plus batting average. He's always been a consistent hitter and a, and a professional at the plate. And so when you look at his overall stats across the board, when you talk about home runs, RBIs, batting average, everything, um, it's a big deal. And uh, to me, you know, he's a surefire Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Well, I mean, you know, what's going to happen is it could have happened this season, but it didn't. But he could have had his 3,000th hit this season, but it looks like he'll probably do it next season. He currently has 2,955 hits. Randy, I'll, I'll ask you how you feel about this, but the guy, once he hits 3,000 hits, He'll be only one of six other players, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Albert Pujols, Eddie Murray, A-Rod, and Rafael Palmero that are that have hit 500 home runs and have 3,000 hits. That's got to be first ballot Hall of Famer stuff right there. Well, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about 11-time All-Star, four-time batting champion, two-time American League MVP, Triple crown in, in 2012. I mean, the guy is first ballot. I mean, if, if he could get in right now while he's active, he should do it. And you talked about some of those names. He would become only the one of two active players. So we're, that's the greatness that we have in the game right now with Albert Pujols and him. And for him to do it, you know, on a 400-foot bomb, I mean, it's just it just goes to his, like Jim said, a 311 lifetime. I mean, the guy is one of the greatest hitters of all time. So, absolutely. I mean, first ballot, 100%. Yeah, I agree. And I hope that the voting process, by the time his his chance comes up, is, is a little bit better. Um, I hope some of these old guys are out and there's some new voting members in because um, he's one that I would hope wouldn't slip in the cracks and, and take, you know, a couple times before he gets in. but. You never know what those guys are thinking anymore. One other thing that to note on that is that everybody, I think, is universally recognized that Mike Trout is the greatest active player. Uh, right now, everybody thinks he's a first ballot Hall of Famer and Cabrera's back-to-back -back MVP awards, he beat out Mike Trout. There it is. I mean, if that doesn't speak volumes, I mean, that goes to show you the guy is as good as the greatest player in the game right now. So. Um, and he's not even done. I mean, that's the, that's the, the crazy part. I don't know how long he plans on playing, but I know he's going to play one more season to get that 3,000 hit. But I mean, he could also he could easily have 40, you know, 40 home runs and you know, do big things. Who knows? But um, Randy, I, I wanted to ask you. You're the money guy, and it looks like Giannis. He, he he signs this deal. He has all this money, and he's – I don't know if he's trying to be one with the city, but he he's 
bought into the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, as a baseball and a basketball fan, but you're a fan of the Cardinals, this being a Brewers story, does this excite you or you just think this guy is just trying to be the, the, the hero of the city? I mean, he's already the hero because of the loyalty that he's shown. You know, he's made it very clear even after winning the championship that he was always going to stay. And, and, and he said it in his conference press conference when he was announced as one of the minority owners that Milwaukee made him who he is today. Um, so I think it is a lot with publicity, but I think he means it. I think that he truly is grateful for the opportunity. Uh, he talked about how this investment to him was small compared to the investment that Milwaukee has poured into him. Um, he's going to be an absolute hero for forever. Um, I think that it's a perfect matchup. You know, this is the first um, ownership that they brought on to the Brewers in over 16 years. So this wasn't taken lightly on the Brewers part either. Um, I think that, you know, they, they talked a little bit about it. This is kind of the Patrick Mahomes thing. He bought in, you know, to the Kansas City Royals or whatever. And then, of course, you know, A-Rod has – he purchased a part of the Bucks, ironically enough. So I think that this one means a little bit more because what Giannis means to the Bucks organization, he may not be the greatest Buck of all time just because, you know, there's a couple big names you could throw out there. But for what he's done, he will absolutely go down as top two greatest Milwaukee Bucks of all time. Jim, do you think because of the the championship season that the Bucks have and the season that the Brewers are having, it was just the right time for him to do this and it's getting the publicity and the credibility that it's getting because of that? Or do you think any any other year if he did this, it would be a, a story? I'd say any other year it'd be a story just because you're talking about a two-time MVP. If it was, you know, he wasn't as great as he was, it might not be. But with with his greatness, and then you and then you add that that title to it, it does mean something. And then like you you mentioned the the Brewers playing as well as they did. I mean, I don't think any of us when we did our preseason predictions that we thought the Brewers were going to be this good, and none of us had the Bucks pick to win. And so, uh, man, what's going on in Milwaukee is great, and I think it's just a smart play by Giannis. And whether he made the decision himself or his people said, "Hey, man, this is a great opportunity." Um, nonetheless, it's 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 a good one. You know, one thing that I want to add to that too is the one of the things he said that really stuck out to us and to all three of us as fathers. He talked about that he became a father in Milwaukee. He became a leader in Milwaukee. So, and actually, this deal was done in May, so well before the playoff run just to kind of hone in on your point on they didn't want to distract everybody with the announcement. So the timing of the release is absolutely because of the success. Do you you have to, Randy, do you have to know about the game to be a good owner? And that's for, for any sport. Mm. Like, I feel like there's a level of credibility that you get as an owner when you were a player of the game. Like, for Giannis, like, a guy, his stature, as athletic as he is, you could tell, like, if he picked up a bat, like, it would look – it would just look funny. Yeah, I don't think that – I mean, because you you think about all these pro franchises, like the Grizzlies, for example, you know, Ashley Manning and Justin Timberlake and all these people. I think that more often than not, the minority owners are really there for credibility – press and and also to divvy up some of that responsibility right these the owners of these teams don't need the money they really don't yeah jim what do you think you think 
being a player of the sport is something that gives you more credibility as being part owner? Uh, I don't know necessarily. I don't, I don't think so necessarily. I mean, I thought I thought it was a great move. Look, when it when it comes down to it, I, th- I was thinking back to when you you asked me just a second ago. You know, it was a good look for Magic Johnson, even though he wasn't an active player when he did his move with with the Dodgers. So, I, I like it. I, I I all around man. You know, regardless, I think it's just good for him to continue to build his image. And I mean, he's got one of the greatest ones. I mean, he's got a great one in Memphis, out out there shouting out the wing guru when he's when he's getting his post game interview, man. Shout out Billy Richmond. Billy Richmond. Let me I, ask. I, I'll tell you what. Billy Richmond was one of the most hated Memphis Tigers. <laughs> he ain't I anymore. Mean, not anymore. Not, <laughs> not anymore. I mean, that's you, you make some wings, some fire ass wings. You they forget about a lot of things. DB, I'm gonna flip this back on you, ask you a question. You, you're talking about these players that have all this credibility and you know, in the ownership group, and Jim touched on it with magic obviously coming up on that it was just Kobe's birthday. Do you think that had Kobe still been here with us, that eventually he would have had a stake in the Lakers' ownership? Uh, yeah, I, no doubt. I, I think – I don't think the Lakers would have given him much of an option not to be some type of, of management role. Does he, nece- does he necessarily go Lakers, or does he do like MJ and go somewhere else and try to do something great? Well, you know, that that relationship soured with MJ and the Bulls, obviously. So I, I think he would have gone Lakers, but it's a great point. But I'm going to put this back on you, Jim. I'm putting you on the spot here. What player that's retired now, I think I can think of a couple names that's looking to get into something like that and that would fit that bill, would you say, would own part of the team? This can be any sport, baseball, football, basketball, doesn't matter. What player you think, like, along the same lines of Kobe or something like Magic, something like that? Oh, you're going to hit me on the spot like that. Like one, one that really stands out to me is Peyton. Would he own part of the Colts or part of the Broncos? I mean, I think that's a easy one, right? Yeah, no, that's a good one. I mean, and if you're going to stick along those lines, just because we're thinking our quarterbacks, I mean, Drew could, Drew could easily do something like that as well. A hundred percent. DB, what about you, man? What Cowboys are we talking about? I mean, hard to say. I mean, you, you think about some of the, the ones from those Super Bowl teams, you've got, Aikman and Irvin and like I don't see Michael Irvin being that type of guy. He's he's more of like a, a, a mouthpiece than he is anything. Like I feel like Troy probably has it in him the the wherewithal to do it, but I I don't think any of those guys are really wanting to work for Jerry. To be honest. Will Will it ever be as cool, Randy, as the fact that Elway going with Denver and then? Peyton Manning coming in there and winning a Super Bowl. I like. I don't think it gets better storybook wise than that. No, I agree. So I, I think the easiest one for somebody to, for me to think of would be Peyton, whether it was the Colts or the Broncos, and it maybe probably would be the Broncos just because they were the ones that gave him that shot. But it just it brought up that I was thinking about that. What other owners? And I think you could see a guy like Aaron Rodgers do it when he left because I think he has those kind of aspirations. He wants to control a lot of things. Um, I could even see a guy like Steve Young having some kind of ownership in. The 49ers, or maybe they're going to, like Jim's talked about earlier, maybe they'll pick a team like Jordan did that's, like, off the cuff. Like, would Marino go own, you know, obviously you think it'd be the Dolphins, but what if it was, like, the Tampa Bay Bucks or something, you know, something out yeah. there. Like Derek well, Jeter having well, a part-time ownership in the Marlins, right? He's a Yankee his whole entire life. 
Well, you said I, past players, but I know LeBron will be, as soon as he's out the game, will be all about it. Is he going to own the Cleveland Cavaliers? I actually think he would be more prone to go a different sport, but with staying within Ohio for sure. Like the Browns, he's always had an affinity, but he's a Cowboys fan. Maybe he takes over the Indians and he makes the decision on what the mascot will be. Oh, they're the Guardians. So somebody who who arguably probably will be a billion dollar guy. Would but, he would would he be able to be a majority owner of anything? I mean, you see it with Jordan. I mean, he is a majority owner, and I don't. But the question is, does that even work? Because Jordan, yeah. that hasn't really worked. Derek Jeter with the Marlins, that's not working so far. I mean, I don't know. What if Jeter can't get it done? I don't know. And then one another name that we haven't even said yet that was also a great Laker, Shaquille O'Neal. And we know he's definitely an entrepreneur. He's got more business dealings than almost any athlete ever. What team would he own? Actually, he does own a piece of the Sacramento Kings. The, the Magic's probably pretty cheap right now if Shaq wants to go back to his heyday and, and go ahead and pick them up. Hey, you know, man, the, them, them season tickets, I drive through there every day. I see the arena. Season tickets are, are a steal, brother. <laughs> hey, but you know what? That's a good investment to make just to go, like I told you when you asked if you should watch them. I mean, you go watch the stars from the other teams come. Who cares? I mean, I, I'm I'm definitely going to check the dates for the Grizz when they come in town. But. Randy, you remember those days, right, when the Grizzlies weren't good, but you just went to watch the stars come? Like, I mean, the yeah. jerseys were never Grizzlies jerseys back then. No, absolutely. That was actually when you came back from the service. That's one of the first times I remember seeing you since high school. It was like a – I think it was the Hornets game, CP3, and I think David West was playing for them at the time. He gave you the dap, and you were like, my God, he almost broke my hand. Yeah, that that he made up for the fact that Chris Paul was a game-time decision and was out there warming up, and then next thing you know, he came out street clothes. I was like, you mother – you know what? That might have fueled that whole hate right there. <laughs> uh, but I just wanted to ask that question. Obviously, one another name that does have a piece of an ownership is Nolan Ryan. Guys like that, I guess, is, is who's the next great one, and I think that it's interesting. And I guess, to me, the easy one is still, again, like I said, Peyton would be the – the easy answer but there's got to be somebody out there we're probably not thinking hey, about hey uh, speaking of if i heard this correctly and maybe i'm wrong i could have swore i heard on the radio earlier since and to get back to baseball and since you brought another run is today the anniversary of when he whooped robin ventura because i could have swore i heard that on the radio this morning no what you heard today was the anniversary of robin ventura hitting two grand slams in a game because uh, I, yeah, I heard it too i think okay. it was a couple weeks ago uh, well, I'm glad he got his grand slams in because he got his head beat in later. <laughs> yeah, Nolan Ryan got a grand slam on that head. Hey, when when we're talking about management, do you think Nick Saban would ever be offered a management job, and would he take it? No, he he'd be offered it, but he wouldn't take it at his age. I don't think he would take it, even though he has like a consultant. And to me, this is just me. Maybe it's an ego thing. It didn't really work out in the Dolphins, and he wasn't terrible. Everybody says, "Oh, he was awful." I mean, they weren't, or they were nine and seven. They weren't terrible. I just think he's reached the peak of his career, the pinnacle, and there's nowhere to go but down. So, to me, the only thing to do if you're him is retire, keep your legacy intact, and go off as the greatest Alabama, which nobody in the history would ever say that anybody would be better than Bear Bryant. But Nick Saban has, in fact, better than him and is the greatest college football coach of all time. Even though that hurts us to say it. 
But hey, I got some new perspective. See, see what the seventy-five hard challenge did for me. It caused me to read, and I and I read Drew Brees' book, and I have some different perspective on Saban because Drew put out everything from his meetings with Saban, and Saban absolutely treated him like a dick, and he dropped the ball, and it hey he missed out on Drew Brees. He did, but he left the very next year. So <laughs> true. I mean, I, I, didn't I, think I, about I, that. He did leave, so I mean, he yeah. only missed out for one season. Right. Do you do you think you think Nick Saban loses sleep over that? Uh, no, I'm thinking not. You think Drew Brees loses sleep over that? No. Well, no, but he definitely has talked about it. I, I've read that book before, and he's talked about it in interviews as well. So it definitely Drew Brees is the kind of guy that he's like a lot of athletes, and that fueled his fire, and it probably made him more successful with the Saints than he would have been with the Dolphins, in my opinion. Yeah, no, no doubt. You you talked about it because it showed when Sean Payton wasn't there the first year that he was gone. And I know we've gotten off the rails. We talked NBA, we talked NFL, but that man, the fact that I've been reading that and, and getting more into it and that that story, guys, because y'all know it already. We knew it already before I read the book, but just solidifying him. The the idea that Sean Payton took a wrong turn down the wrong street and they ended up seeing all the destruction and damage and weren't on the way to the dome anymore. And that changed Drew Brees' heart. It's just the craziest thing, man. Oh, no doubt. I think I think Drew is probably telling folks about Nick Saban. You're going to crown his ass? Then crown him. <laughs> All right, uh, guys. Standings. Um, gosh. I mean, Randy, you've, you've been – you're like the genie of, of Major League Baseball. Every prediction you've had is, is absolutely correct. Um, just a little rundown. American League, the East, the Rays are up four games over the Yankees. The White Sox and the Central up nine games on the Indians. And the Astros and the West are up three and a half on the A's. Um, National League East, Braves four and a half games above uh, the Phillies. The Brewers in the Central seven and a half over the Reds. And the Giants in the West two and a half over the Dodgers. Let's talk wild card though, guys, because I think looking at the, the standings, I think we're all in agreement of, of where it's probably going to end up. Um, you know, with the exception, I think I'm, I'm a hundred percent bought in on the nationally West being the giants. And I think you guys are still believers in the Dodgers. Um, but the American league, I think it's safe to say it's probably locked up. I mean, I, I hate to say it for the A's, but, there's a chance at a wild card for them. The Yankees currently hold a wild card spot, and the Red Sox also hold a wild card spot, but only by a half game over the A's. So, Jim, when you take a look at this, is there what is it that you see other than the Yankees' ten game win streak? Um, I mean, it's it's the very thing you're talking about. But when I we always talk about ratings, right, and as much as we root for the A's, it's in the best interest of baseball if it's because they showed what the playoffs would be if it if it started today, and it would be the Yankees and the Red Sox, and that's the matchup. I mean, it's already something you see a lot of times in the regular season, but we know how postseason baseball is. So I think that's what MLB would want. I think that's what a lot of fans would want, but obviously that's not what I want. I I'm a big proponent of the A's just because we've talked about low budget a bunch of times, Daniel. And so um, I'm going to, I'm going to say that they eventually jump that, but 
you know, me, me and Randy did he, – he got more predictions, right? But I, I did say the Yankees, that was my pick, that they'd be the top of that wild, that wild card spot. But they did it really fast. We said it – you know, we said it with a weak prediction. It took them – like, they won three in a row and Boston lost three in a row. And next thing you know, we weren't even halfway through the week and our projection was already, already good to go. But as far as the rest of them, I mean, you tell me, I don't – I'm looking at it and I don't see anybody who's going to – to challenge that so it's a it's a three-team race and it's and i think the yankees are solid in there so it's about uh, can oakland make that push yeah and it, it's it's going to come down to i mean like, i want to say the the next two weeks will be telling it's gonna you're gonna have to keep yourself close in the next two weeks because then the final three is like that's when it's it's go time and it's just a mad dash and everybody is on pins and needles and the pressure and the stakes are rising, especially when you're looking at that Red Sox and A's race for that second uh, wild card spot. Um, but here's the thing, given, given the Yankees over, over this season, I feel like they, I feel like they have a chance to slip. And I only say that because, they didn't start strong and it took them all season to get here. And as easy as they won 10 games, we've seen them lose 10. Um, and you do something like that over the next two, three weeks, like you're opening the door for the, the Red Sox and the A's. But Randy, looking at the nationally wild card, the Dodgers look like they have a firm grip either on the division or a wild card spot. So Really, it looks like there's only that second spot um, available. And you got the Reds who currently hold it. They're up a game on the Padres and then four and a half on the Cardinals. You know, we talked about it. Do the Cardinals have enough to, to dig closer or even take that spot from Cincinnati? No, I don't think so. They've really not shown us anything. They, you know, they played well, um, beating up on the Royals and the Pirates. And, and then they play the Brewers and lose two out of three. And then they lose two out of three to the Pirates to, to back that up. So uh, I just don't see it from the Cardinals. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about the Padres. They're they're kind of just – they go on the road. They can't win games. I mean, they're two and eight in their last ten. They're really trending down uh, at, at the wrong time for me. I'm not really buying it. There was some articles that are coming out now saying what happens when going all in doesn't work for the Padres. So I feel like the walls are closing on them a little bit. And the, the Reds are really the team that not a lot of people are not getting a lot of national recognition, but Votto is. He's unbelievable right now. Um, the that's, Dodgers, the pick, that's the pick you got correct that I didn't yeah. see coming. Uh, I mean, you you said that was, that was you said they were going to climb the ladder on the wild card, and sure enough, and they didn't waste any time either. They did it by midweek as well. Yeah, I mean, there's seven of their last ten. I think the Dodgers are going to take over that division. I know you want to believe in the old dudes, but I'm not rooting for no Chris Bryant team. Um I do want to talk about a little, a little stat that I saw. Obviously, the Braves and the Yankees played tonight. The game's already over with, of course. But the Yankees and the Braves were the first regular season matchup of two teams that had both won nine games in 120 years. So that's that's the stat of the night right there. Well, and I'll tell you, while we're talking about telling stats, you know, most people had the Yankees – to win that and not because just we know the Yankees are a better overall team and a better overall division. The Braves are only one game over 500 at home. They do not do well. And I think you even messaged me and said they would be better off if they were playing in New I did. York. I, I did. Yeah. And, and you got to think too, the Yankees 
are they're they're seven games above 500 on the road. So I mean they're they're solid. And and a and a thing that you know touch back on the American League just because we're talking about the Yankees. I seen a thing they had the power rankings for the American League dropped out today, and somebody commented on it and brought up a point. Um, the White Sox have a slightly better record than the Yankees, and they're above them. But the Yankees have taken five of six from the White Sox. So, um, you know, we ain't been sleeping on them. And like we talked about, they've they've done caught fire. And I was looking and I was looking at schedules, boys, uh, while you were talking about the National League. Um, it doesn't look good for Oakland, man, because Boston finishes with Baltimore and Washington. Meanwhile, a the A's um, six of their last nine are at Houston. <laughs> So, but I mean, to be honest, that's almost what you want. They, to be honest, they could take the division if they win. Right. They, they right. Take no series. And no matter who that team is that you got to play and win six, you know, if you got, if you're going to play any team to give yourself a chance to be in a postseason. Why not play the Astros and give yourself a chance to win the division? Well, well, in theory, you always say it's about it's about winning the series, right? So they got Seattle in between there. So if you take two out of three in each series from Houston, and theoretically, and let's say you go sweep Seattle like you should, then yeah, the the division would more than likely be theirs unless they fell way behind it in the meantime. Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting to see. Looking at the wild card, Jim, give me some predictions for next week. Um, let's see. How many – the Dodgers are two and a half back of the the Giants, I believe. So, my prediction is that the Giants are going to be at the top of that wild card spot. How about that? I'm a, I'm not even going to pick a team that's on that current list. I, I think they're finally going to do it. And, and Randy knows why. Because not only were they already hot anyway, not only do they have a sick roster, but now Russell Westbrook has thrown out the first pitch. He, he has now gave them all they need to, to go the rest of the way. That could be a blessing or a curse. <laughs> Randy, what what's different next week? I think that the Yankees are going to extend their lead, and I'm going to tell you why, because I think that they are going to take three out of four from Oakland, and so they're going to extend that. And uh, then they play the Angels, and, you know, it's probably a win. Then they play Baltimore. So I think over the next week they're going to extend that out. And obviously the Red Sox are kind of floundering around. The Yankees swept them, too. I just think the Yankees are playing great baseball right now. They're seeing the ball well. They're hitting the ball well. And they're getting just enough pitching, um, you know, like tonight. I mean, the, the Braves only had two hits. We know how hot that team's been. You know, I looking, looking at the Padres' schedule, like I really wanted them to move up in that wild card. But, Man, that is brutal. I mean, that's a, that's a gauntlet of a – I mean, they got – the Dodgers, then they have the Angels, which is winnable. The Diamondbacks. But don't say the Diamondbacks because they got no hit last time they played. But to your to your point though, I mean, this is what you want. You're playing the teams that are right ahead of you. So yeah, I mean, I think you know, my prediction is the Padres move up in that wild card. They they earn a spot in the wild card between now and next week. I mean, they're That's only bold. a game but back. Guys I got an honest confession, though. The, the interesting thing is, you know, as we talk about these teams, I haven't got to watch as much baseball as, as I normally do. But the interesting thing is there's one team that I haven't really got to watch. And the only thing I can tell you is the highlight that I've seen of Colton Wong swiping the bag of Yachty. I haven't actually watched Milwaukee play. And so that's what's crazy about seeing how awesome their record is and, and you know, their run differential is like – because I hadn't even seen them play, and and 
the the fact that the first thing I've seen of the Brewers was like I said that Colt Wong play, which was by the way the best moment of the week. Uh, I think we can all agree. Yachty smiling when somebody steals on him just tells you everything. It's a teammate. I'm gonna take the base home, but uh, I need to watch Milwaukee play to know how good they are. I've seen the Reds, seen the Dodgers, all the teams, Padres teams we're talking about. I hadn't actually watched the Brewers play yet, fellas. I think it's because the Brewers don't do any one thing flashy they just win and i mean to me they're a dangerous team but there's nothing or no guy that you see on there that you're like oh my god like that uh, christian yellick is obviously a well-known name but we're talking but he's about not a guy, guy that you tune in for no we're in a guy that's under 250 on the year his war's down he's barely over i mean so that's a guy that everybody knows colton wong is becoming a star but i mean it's just lorenzo kane i mean you know names but they're not superstars they're not they're the i mean they're the the Giants. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got teams like the Angels with two mega stars and yeah. can't win anything. Right. You, you have to you have to look up the roster to see who's on the team, and even then, you're like, I think I heard of that dude's name. Then you start looking a little further, and you go, Oh yeah, that's so and so from this other team a few years ago. Well, shout out to Jim though, because he was one of the first ones last year to call it out about the Cardinals didn't need to lose Colton Wong, and and I was not, I was like, you know what, let him go. We got Edmund, whatever. But Colton Wong is just, you know, two eighty eight, ten home runs, thirty five RBIs, the stolen bases. I mean, and we know I the think glove. We could, <laughs> the glove has always been there, so I, I think that the Cardinals would absolutely kill to have that kind of production in their infield right now. Absolutely. Um... Was your boy, your boy back yet? Is DeYoung back yet? He is awful. I don't, I, I'm, I, I hate it, but he's just – I mean, I think mm. he's literally batting under 200. Mm. Man, it's, it's rough. It's rough. I mean, things would have to take a drastic turn at, in order for me to believe any different than what I believe now, which is – they are what they are. They are win one, lose one team. Well, let me now, let me if ask you. you were an optimist, you would say now they're getting Jack Captain Jack's been back. Michaelis looked good and coming back. So they are getting the pitching healthy. It is true. My question my, my question for you guys. Um, we keep talking about the central. Um, you know, the Braves don't just have it locked up, but I mean, I feel like the, the way they've hit strides, but do the do the Phillies or the Mets catch them or is this we already calling it, even though there's still plenty of time. I'm not calling it. I just I don't believe in the Mets at all because they can't score any runs. And I think the Phillies they have a chance, but I still think the Braves are going to hang on to that division. I think the the Braves are figuring out that they can win, and they're believing in themselves, and they're starting to make that that push to the postseason. To be honest, they have all the pieces to do so. Like I, I still think the Mets are holes. They got holes all over it, and the Phillies. I mean, they're 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 like the the Cardinals. They're I'm, one I'm making one. a prediction. We didn't talk about it. I'm making a prediction. The Mar the Mariners the Mariners are going to be in second place next week. They're going to be behind the Astros. They're taking Ooh. over Oakland. I guess three and a half games. Hey, I got a prediction for you because it actually is starting to come to fruition and being talked about. A guy that didn't even make the all-star team, a guest on this show, 
Uh, they are starting to talk about him being in the MVP race. I'm going to predict that Austin has another big week, and it's finally going to be more than just a little chatter, and it's going to be consideration. Why, why are you going to do that to that man? <laughs> I hadn't KOD'd him yet all year. You haven't said anything bold like that either. Hey, man, he was a guest on IOTV. These folks win national titles, get drafted high, have hey, the best years. I, I believe in him. As a matter of fact, Tennessee is now going to, like, have an amazing year, something they have done in a while just because Latrell came on here. Just, Mark, write, write that down. So, Austin for MVP, Seattle in second place in the AL West. Just write that down. I got <laughs> We'll see what happens here. So, guys, this is a light on the sports this week, so I'm going to give you guys an option for last call it a toss-up so um you know jim i'll start with you man what what do you want to talk about what's pressing on your heart man college football is so close i feel like we gotta talk about it right i mean we we just even said and and randy i didn't realize that they were playing um clearly a thursday night game because when i gave that date because i knew that the lsu starts with september 4th so when i, I saw september 2nd um, are y'all the first game of the entire season? We are indeed. We are Ooh. indeed. The, all, all, because you know, man, it doesn't even matter if it's your team. When it's the first game of the season, football, all eyes are on. Absolutely. We're going, everybody's going to be looking, and most more people will probably be hating than, than rooting for us, but that's okay. So, what game is, would you say it's, it's in the swamp that you're, that you're looking forward to the most, though? Yeah, that's going to be the first. That's the litmus test, right? That's when you're going to see is this team worth? Are they improved? And you're going to see the offense, and because nobody's going to believe you beat Bowling Green, you're supposed to beat Bowling Green. I think they got Pittsburgh, and then you got the you know Tennessee. That's that's probably should be a bye week. So at Florida, you know you could be three and zero, but that's the litmus test right there in the swamp. Could, could be or should be. I think that no matter what, and that, this isn't like 10, this is their year. That's not what I'm saying for Tennessee fans. They will always look at that is that's the basis on how the season's going to go. Florida sets the table because for so long, that was whoever won that game, even though it was the first sec game went on to win the East so many times that I think that people still have that expectation in their mind. Yeah. If you lose that one, it's pretty deflating as you go forward. Uh, it makes sense. Yeah. Then you don't have Georgia till late. So I, I really, to be honest with you, not that the season's going to be easy because it's the SEC, but for the first time in a long time, you look down the seat, not for what I think Tennessee is or isn't. I just think the set schedule sets up to where they can pull off six, seven wins, you know, and that's that to me, that's a win for this team this year. All right, Daniel, I know what I want to do. And, and I'll let, and I can let you do it or I can do it. I could kind of take your role, however you want to do it. I have the, the preseason coaches poll in front of me. And I want to kind of do, um, you know, belief or fraudulent with their ranking. You know, you know how the preseason rankings are. I'll, I'll let – I'll treat you like I treat Jesus, and I'll let you take the wheel. All right. So, I'll, I'll, go, I'll, go, with, I'll go with each of y'all on each one. I uh, think number one, Alabama. We, we, do I even got to ask that one? They're frauds. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. All right, what about Clemson? They staying they staying at number two or they staying up there? Absolutely. Yeah, they have to. Oklahoma? Frauds. 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 
fraud, fraud. But let me tell you, boys, I, I'm already – I can't even wait to get to seven to hear the response. I ain't gonna, I'm going to drop it yet. So, Ohio State at four. Legit. Yeah, legit. All right, Georgia at five. Fraud. Mm. Um, I, I, okay, fraud. I'll go there. All right. Well, let's, this- let's, let's, di- let's dig a little deeper. This is who they're opening up with. Oh, so so we'll know. We'll, we'll know. We'll, we'll know. So somebody's gonna. Somebody's hey, or wrong. It could, or it could be the most epic game ever, and they could just both be legit. Look, Georgia. This is the thing about it. Georgia shows up in big time games. Now they choked away the national title. I, I get all that, but when you come down to a game on a regular season game, Georgia shows up. That's that's true. But so this do, doesn't doesn't Clemson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, so this next one, I've seen a lot of chatter. I know you boys have seen this. There are actually some, even with Alabama and everything they do every year, number one in this poll, there are some people picking a lot, a lot of people that actually Texas A&M to take the West. So at number six, it's a, it's a dual question. Do you think that, that they're a legit number six team? And do you think they're a legit contender to knock Alabama off in the West? I'll let DB answer first. If they're – well, so when you say are they a number 16, yes. Are they a legit contender to knock off Alabama? Well, I don't think they're going to beat Alabama, but out of all the teams that can beat them, I would say they're legitimate enough. Pull, pull it up and see where they're playing that game. That's, that's a real contributing factor as well, obviously. That playing game at home is Texas at home. All right, so they they got that gives them because we know that's a tough place to play for sure. Hundred percent. So I, they got that going for them. All right, number seven. That's the most fun one. Uh, skip, <laughs> skip, it. skip fraud. Look, I got I got a Lawrence Dockery will tell you Notre Dame is legit. He also loves soccer. I'm, I yeah. I got I got a serious question. All right, seven and eight. All right, help me understand. Like, I get seven. I don't. I don't ever believe in them. But eight, because I mean, it's because they're going off last year. I'd have to see what all they have returning. But they were. But what playing. did they do last year? Well, like, they were playing a down conference. That's what I was going to say. Uh, you know, nobody in the Big Twelve ended up being as good as they were supposed to be. Look, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know who this coach like has. Who owes him a debt? But. They love the coach at Iowa State, and I feel like every time they talk about how good they are, it's always because of the coach. But yet, who? Look at this weak ass, whack ass schedule. (laughs) Maybe that's why. That's why they'll stay there. Yeah. I mean, they don't play Texas or Oklahoma until the last two out of the last three. Hey, here's what's gonna. Here's the good news. We know Oklahoma's gonna choke early to somebody. And then they can go ahead and bring it back around and beat Iowa State and take them out of the the playoff mix, and then they eliminate each other. There you go. Because Oklahoma always chokes to somebody they're not supposed to. There you go. All right, so the next one's a good one because, Daniel, last year um, we were believers in North Carolina. Um, We were impressed. Are we going to stay impressed? Yeah. Yeah. Randy? They're they're better than they were last year. Not, Not buying it. Not buying it. Basketball Not buying school. It. Yeah. 
<laughs> Michael Jordan ain't walking through that door. All right, Daniel. Ten's a big one. Cincinnati. Hey, there. I, I I'm gonna be a believer. I mean, and a lot of it is the, the schedule that they play and the defense that they have is legit. I mean, they're they're a top defense in the country. And when you have that and you have a quarterback like they got, like it, they're 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 good. Does Memphis host them or are they traveling too? Um they come I, too. They're they, come, they don't yeah. even play Memphis. They uh they their toughest oh. game they is, don't play Memphis. They play they're playing Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Oh, oh okay. Well, hey, we're Cincinnati fans that day, aren't we? We always want Notre Dame to get waxed. <laughs> No, absolutely. I think the yeah. Cincinnati is going to be legit based on the schedule. I mean, you got Indiana. I'm not a believer. We'll get to them later. Notre Dame, not a believer. And right now, that's the only two ranked teams they're playing. At Navy's never an easy game, but I don't – I mean, Cincinnati, literally, they could be 12-0. and 0. I, I can see them being 12-0. and 0. I mean, I could, too. I, I was a believer last year, and, you know, could, I've, could I've they, never talked to Could you see a 12-0 and 0 Memphis? 12 and 0 Cincinnati. Oh, it'd be epic. Picture it'd be epic. I can't. Uh, you, you, you're so excited. You're dreaming about it right now. I, I think they got to bring college game day back to Memphis for it. Oh, absolutely. Daniel, Daniel, would you fly in for that? You and Michelle, would y'all fly in for that one? Yeah. They, if he Tiger doesn't, fan? he's not a Tiger fan anymore. Uh, for that, yes. Bella is old enough to come and experience that. And I would definitely be here for well i just want to put it out there on this podcast randy did i extend an invitation to him earlier today we'll see if he takes it i told him i paid for him to fly here to come to the mississippi state game i'm glad you did i ain't paying for you to do shit that's that's a little different i'll feed you dinner if you come but i ain't paying yeah see i got i got your flight he's got your dinner morris gonna get you a ticket we're gonna go to oh I can get you tickets. Just come on in. <laughs> but uh you look, I got you. I didn't say what we was gonna eat for dinner, but I got your dinner. It might be some McDonald's dollar menu or something. Like, I got, I you know I'm a Tennessee fan, so we like the McDonald's sacks of cash. Oh, I'm okay. Hey, we'll take hey, we take money. Um, all right, eleven, Florida. Legit. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, well, I, they'll lose that ranking. No, once they lose to Tennessee, so it's all good. That's right. And then, and then they'll they'll play number thirteen LSU eventually too in uh, Death Valley. Uh, what about twelve Oregon, man? Uh, the Pac twelve. I don't know what to think anymore, guys. I don't. Uh, they just don't seem to produce anymore. Yeah, uh, I think um, I think if if they don't get Amani Bates. Like, I, I don't I don't believe in their NIL approach. So I would say that would be fraudulent. I don't think they're going to do – they got to play Ohio State like the second or third game of the season. I think that's going to put them down. All right. I'm, so I'm not a believer. Instead of asking you LSU as a whole, since I know the team well, let's, let's get interesting with it. I'll go to you, Randy, first. Can with Brennan being out, can Max Johnson give LSU? I don't, I'm not saying outstanding, we ain't talking Joe Burrow stuff. Can he give them decent quarterback play, something that they ain't ever had outside of Joe Burrow or Jamarcus Russell? I think he can give them decent. I just, to me, this is where we're going to see if, if my man Les is, is really not Les, my God, Orgeron is the guy 
because I, they took a big step back. And I know you lost a lot of guys, but I mean, we see a lot of guys reload. This is a this is a litmus test for Coach O, in my opinion. And they they're talented all throughout the roster. They're still one of the most talented teams in the country. I just have some doubts whether he can get them back to where they were when they had Joe Burrow and your. I mean, your, the my problem coach. with and the reason why I asked you about Max Johnson for the first time, you know, they they listed the SEC teams in order of best backfields. And forever, LSU was always up there, right? It's stable running backs. They don't anymore. And so they do have, however, a couple great rece- receivers, especially uh, uh, Sean Boot in any way. You know, so it's going to be a lot of pass game. It's not going to be run heavy. If they do, it's not going to work out well because I don't, I don't see any absolute studs back there unless I – hopefully I'm just wrong and, and some guys end up showing out. But um, – I think they will. I think you're going to see some – this running back, they're going to – they're going to they're gonna have to – You have know that. who one of them is? Uh, You know, guys, you remember Trey Washington that came on um, from Trustville Hewitt. His, uh, his teammate, Armani Goodwin, is having the best camp out of any of the rookies. So, it could be a guy that uh, was playing with uh, one of our guests. Jim, let me ask you this. If Coach O has a season like last year, is he on the hot seat? And if so, how hot? I don't think so just yet. I, I mean, that national championship run, even if it was because it was star-studded and he had an offensive and a defensive coordinator that were doing all the work, I think that buys him a little more grace and a little more time. I would say – I would say his seat would get a little hotter, but I think it would take one more year for it to be blazing. And, I mean, he ended – like you got to remember, he ended last year well. They got two big wins over um, Florida and Ole Miss. So, I mean, for a five-and-five five season, it, it, it wasn't – it could have been worse. He, they could have went three and seven, and it may have already been hot to start this season. True. All right, so um, go ahead. Nah, I, I think that if they have a – the say it goes horribly wrong and they're six and six it's i think it's hot 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 yeah it'll be interesting um i hope they don't though they got enough talent especially on the like you said some skill positions i think that they, they yeah that's second that's secondary that's why when will roger rogers came on here talking uh be careful man that's i mean they got two of the top he was gonna five. light them up but you know I, I said stingley but elias ricks they did a rankings on that he's ranked as the fifth best corner in college so you got one and five on the end so you better you better find a linebacker Safety matchup. Um, ben, if if Coach O's on the hot seat, they're gonna be looking at Iowa State's coach. <laughs> there you go. All right, so USC another Pac-12 team. Trash. They get ranked every year. Yeah. And, they, they, uh, not, and and I look, man. I, no, that's all I gotta say. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> all right, Wisconsin. They're gonna go eleven and one, and then get blown out in the Big Ten title game. <laughs> Yeah, they're look. gonna have some running back that rushes for like three thousand yards that we've never heard of. Hey, Jonathan Taylor's your boy, man. Watch I love, I love it. They got running backs out the frame, but them them dudes get smoked in the Big Ten title game. Look, look. Let me let me just ask a question as a whole because Indiana and Iowa are coming up, Daniel. I'll direct this to you to you, man. Is the Big Ten just Ohio State and everybody else just kick rocks? Uh, yeah, that's the way it's been for a while. So we don't even need to ask about Indiana and Iowa. Uh, the U is is always up there, right, fellas? But they're never going to make any noise. They start oh, out against Alabama. They're going to come. I mean, yeah, we'll they, know. Do they? God. Yeah. I, let's see. Let's just check out these guys. I, I'm never a believer in these guys. Alabama, boom, 
They said, you know, you know how I want to. You know, you know what I want to do. I want to start our season off against Alabama. No, thank you. Look, if they do pull it off, if they do pull it off, you go down. They don't. I mean, that Carolina. North Carolina, yeah, but that's October 16th. I mean, if they do pull that off and they go into North Carolina 5-0, and oh, they'll be freaking number one in the country. They want the U to be good so bad. Well, so, th- so that comes to another situation where you were talking about Memphis-Cincinnati. If they could run that gauntlet and then match up with Clemson in the title game, that would be another good one. But we know that ain't going to happen. But we're just going Not to be theoretical. I think it's going to be 42-6 to six in Alabama. Yeah, uh, it's – what about Texas? And you remember, you can't go horns down, guys. It's offensive. Yeah, well, I'm not believing. You know what? <laughs> I got to see it, man, because they've had coaches in, and they, they they figured it out. Charlie Strong, you know, uh, Tom Herman, now obviously with a new coach. Oh, they're going to lose week one. You see that? Uh, I see that. That's actually an intriguing game. that I, I Cajun think Ninja, be- baby. They're going to lose both games. They're going to lose to Arkansas, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They, oh, and, and then they then they gonna rethink that move to the SEC. Like, well, hmm. What's gonna happen is they will. This is what they'll do because they show up too. They'll probably beat UL and then they'll probably lose to Arkansas. That's the way it's gonna go. Well, Arkansas. Imagine Fayetteville Arkansas is gonna be is rocking gonna, for that yeah, game. Yeah, Arkansas should have improvement this year. The problem is, I I mean, the expectations gotta be tempered because they're in the SEC West. But I think Arkansas is on the up and up. So, uh, what are what are the infractions, Randy? I, like, if you throw a horns down in a game, what happens? I think it's just an unsportsmanlike, like a fifteen yard. But if you get two of them, you get kicked out of the game. I think it's still the rule. I think is it's that, trash. Is, yeah, is that not the worst? That, you know. Well, then, then you know what? Then they don't get to do horns up. Then that's what that, that's what a lot of guys came out and said for other teams. What if uh, I give a thumb a thumbs up? <laughs> And then a thumbs down. Like, are we are we gonna throw penalties for giving thumbs down? I think you should. I guess so. We're such a sensitive society. So look, let's just let's just go ahead. Um, let's get to them bottom three. All right. So we just wait. Hold up. I'm gonna. You said earlier it's just Ohio State. I'm Penn State. I'm picking them guys to be competing this year. I believe in James Franklin. Okay. Okay. Saw you saw the season they had last year, right? I did. I believe in James Franklin. I, I believe in him too, but I don't believe him in him over Ohio State. Bro, there's nothing cleaner than the night game there when they're wearing all whites. It's I, clean. Bro. I agree. It, it's clean. So are you going to make that bold prediction Co- right now, Randy? COVID I need clean. to know. I need to know, Randy. You making well, that bold prediction right now? That I didn't say they were going to beat Ohio State. No. <laughs> oh, my God. They start out at Wisconsin? Oh, my God. Oh, and, never mind. Then you just said was, yeah, you just said Wisconsin goes 11-1, and one, so – then yeah, you throw that's... Auburn, Auburn in there to third, third Ooh, week three. Penn State's out. Never mind. I'm out. <laughs> that, that team, that team's going six and six. You should hey, you should have let him make a bold prediction about Penn State and not brought up the schedule so he could have ran into that. I mean, I mean look at that. They that's... did throw Villanova in there week four, which I mean, they're going to get beat by Wisconsin, probably beat Ball State, probably lose to Auburn, beat Villanova. They're probably imagine, imagine oh, hey, but look at the rankings. Imagine if Indiana and Iowa were as good as they're supposed to, their rankings show. Look at the amount of ranked teams they play. Yeah, and some, I mean, you know. Hey, they finally didn't Auburn. rank Michigan, guys. Well, that's shocking. Is Jim Harbaugh, is this the year Jim Harbaugh gets fired? Yes. It's got to be. 
if they're not even good enough to get their uh, their preseason rank that they always get just for being Michigan, that's pretty yeah. telling. Like USC and Miami getting on still. Right. So I wanted to ask about the last three uh, because the Washington, Oklahoma State, whatever. So starting with Louisiana, Lafayette, and Coastal Carolina. I mean, they really showed gonna, out last year. You're going dis- to disrespect Mike Gundy like that? Yes, because we – He's a man. Me and you spent a lot of time last year talking about how Oklahoma State was fraudulent when they were undefeated and they were going to get exposed. You you were the first one to say it, and then they got exposed like multiple times very quickly. So yeah, uh, I want to I want to talk about the those uh, non non Power Five schools. Does Does Louisiana Lafayette or Coastal Carolina have amazing runs like they did last year? Remember, Cajun Ninja came on here and said Louisiana Lafayette going to come back and do it again. Cajun Ninja needs to just cook and make some videos. No, nah, he eating cereal, bro. He ain't cooking. I think he's feeding it to from. his dogs. I, I mean, they got to get past Texas. They get past Texas, then yeah, I, I would say like they can do it again. I mean, Echo State, Ohio, Georgia Southern, South Alabama, Appalachian State, Arkansas State. Yeah, don't, sleep, don't sleep on them red wolves now. The scariest I, game is at Troy. I I hear you, but like when what happens when they lose this game, and it's probably a game that everyone would say, okay, I understand them losing. Like, could you and I said they're they're gonna win the rest of their games. You would oh, believe I, that, right? I could see that, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean I'm like, gonna I'm gonna call I'm gonna call it right now. You ready? The Raging Cajuns are going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. You're going to do Austin Riley like that to start, and now you're going to do – Now the Cajun Ninja. The Cajun Ninja. Damn. He, he sold me. Damn. I'm going to tell you who I'm not believing in is the Chanticleers. <laughs> yeah, Them I, dudes don't play a single ranked team. They don't even play a team close to being ranked. So what's the – high? okay, so with that, Randy – they go undefeated, but no ranked teams. What is the highest possible ranking they can get? Where what's mm. the, the highest on the ladder? I'm gonna go seven. Seven. Yeah. Seven. I don't even know if they could get that high. Unless yeah, a lot you, of teams lose a lot of games up top. Yeah, there's just nothing there. There's no substance. All so right. Let, let's let, let, we'll put it into context. If Cincinnati went 12 and 0, Memphis went 12 and 0, and Memphis lost in the conference championship to Cincinnati. I think Memphis would be ranked ahead of absolutely of, of Coastal Carolina. Yeah, even no, absolutely. And, I mean, it just depends on what everybody does, but I think the committee, if they could, would put them seven so they could say, well, you know, all you had to do was play a ranked team. <laughs> but are they going to be able to do? Are we going to see what we did last year? And that games get canceled, and then they they pick up a ranked team. Like, mm. oh hey, you got it. y'all are off, we're off. Let's meet in the middle. There you go. Because that was entertaining. Uh huh. That was good. What was that BYU? Yeah, played? yeah, and they won. But right. they, they are all the mullet guys back. That's what I don't know. <laughs> all right. So the last one they did us a they did us a a service by putting them on there. So Randy can talk about the lane train. Ole Miss, baby. Matt Corral at quarterback. I think they're going to score a lot of points, and they're going to, like, lose games 55 to 48. 
because I think they will. They'll be three and zero going into Alabama, but I just can't. I mean, that's just, just oof. That you know, you run into something there. Then you got Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU at Auburn. I mean, I'm not saying Tennessee, but it's at Tennessee, so you know they get hype. So you got Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, back to back to back to back. And then you got Texas A&M, and then you got Liberty, who we all know Hugh Freeze is going to be pulling out all the stops. So that's yeah. not an easy game. And then A and M, I don't see Ole Miss winning eight nine games. I'm thinking this is still like a six win, seven win team at the best. I just don't see it. But they'll be fun. You're saying because they'll be of the fun. offense. Hell yeah! So if there's a team that matches up well against Alabama traditionally, it's Ole Miss, right? Uh yeah. So, I mean, as a Tennessee fan, you but they you weren't want them. You want them running that table right i do but i will tell you this the teams that have matched up against alabama traditionally were not lane kiffin coach teams they were hugh freeze well no but no last year they went different tad the whole time they got beat by four touchdowns last year yes everybody talked about it because they put up a bunch of points but they got beat 59 to 30 something it was not i hear what you're saying they did put up a lot of points a lot of yards man i didn't remember it getting that out of hand i remember it being tied going into the fourth 63 to 48. Okay. So, and they put on some points. Like, click on that. Look at the box score. Yeah. Because they were, I think they were nice up, like going into the fourth. Tied up at half. Alabama was up seven starting the fourth. Scroll down. Yeah, so, I mean, it was uh, for uh, up until the fourth quarter, it was a legit game. The problem was I watched that game in its entirety until the end, apparently, because I don't remember them putting an extra touchdown on, but. The thing was, I remember texting multiple Alabama fans in real time, and I never thought they were going to lose because Ole Miss, like, like Ole Miss was moving the ball down the field, but the way Alabama was doing it, I mean, it was like 30, 40-yard plays at a time. Like, it was ridiculous. What And the reason that, that stuck out to me, because I watched the whole game too, what stuck out to me was Ole Miss stayed in the game because they literally did not turn the ball over, not one time. I mean, they were perfect. They had to be perfect to stay within two touchdowns. I mean, to me, that's... That, that Ely kid was phenomenal, by the way. Uh, like, oh, I, for sure. I, I knew that already, but just it was a reminder when I'm seeing who's scoring them touchdowns, which, hey, he's an old Miss baseball player. Look at all. Look at what you're seeing up here when you see Alabama. Najee Harris, Najee Harris, Najee Harris, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith. Now, neither one of them dudes are there anymore. But it ain't going to matter. They'll have some other... It's insert new name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so this will be the last question then. And, it, and it's because you brought up Najee Harris. It's just an interesting question because I've seen it debated upon fantasy draft boards. Does he have a big rookie year, guys? Yes. Yeah. I'm buying it. A good, good rookie year. You, you drafted him, Daniel? Nope. I'm drafting yeah. Etienne. Etienne. <laughs> Give me him all day. All right. Well, you can have your job back, Daniel. Lead this ship. <laughs> Randy, last call, man. Toss up. What you got? Last call. I've never done this since we've been on the show, but I want to make the last call about our guest, uh, Latrell Bumpus, because we've talked about his story and the fact that the guy now is on his third head coach in five seasons, and he's stuck with it. A lot of people talk about VFL. Very few live it, and he is a prime example of, of living the cause, being loyal to what he made his commitment to not knocking anybody that left. I not about that, but the guy, he said it in here. A lot of times people leave, they think the grass is green on the other side, but he was always going to stay, never going to leave. Shout out to a guy like that. So Latrell Vumpus, you the last call, baby. 
Get it. Get Man, it. I'm surprised. I actually thought Kobe Bryant was going to be his last call. You know, he was, but Latrell, loyalty, loyalty pays, baby. You know what? Kobe is relevant any any week. Also, we are going to put up another poll this week since we got a, like a little bit of a couple hits, you know. People don't know how to follow directions. When I tell them to vote on the, the uh, Facebook page, they were voting on my page. Some on Jim's. But, I mean, you got a little out of hand. We're going to put up another one, and I just want to talk about this. We're going to know who's listening because I want everybody to make your own polls. Make this own poll on your own page. Waffles or pancakes? Mm. I, I can tell you what I'm going to pick right now, and that's going to be waffles, hands down. Give me, give me them syrup cups that just hold my syrup. Mm. And what I, what I uh, like to do is put a little peanut butter on there, and it goes ooh. inside those little cups too. Ooh, pancakes, bro. But let me tell you what I like more than both of them. But it's not part of the poll. But I just got the other. I like some French toast, bro. Jim is is torturing himself right now. For the people that don't know, Jim is on the hard seventy five. And uh, can't eat that shit. So, Jim, you can just talk about it. You think about it. Dream about it. Drool about it. I can see it. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing it. It's, it's, it's painful. Hey, shout out to you, man. Truvy for life, man. You, you're killing it. Daniel, Killin you it. actually told me there's different rules. Can I eat a, a straight-up pancake, no syrup, butter, nothing? Is that okay? I'm going to say no because you probably could, but why would you? I <laughs> know. I just you had just, to ask. You, when you start down that, that's a slippery slope. It's like, <laughs> let me see what I can get away with. And I'll just put, I'll just put one little square of syrup on there. It will be my next thing, right? Nope. Oh, nope. don't even, <laughs> don't even do it, man. You're so close to the 30 day mark, man. Just hit that 30 day. It's all downhill from there. I hear you. All right. For me guys, last call, I, I got to talk about wrestling and we don't talk about wrestling that often, but I, I have to mention, and Randy, I don't know if you know anything about CM Punk. He was a WWE wrestler. Hold on, time out. You, CM Punk is a guest commentator for the CFFC and MMA and the rep that we we rep them on this podcast. Of course I know CM Punk. Well, CM Punk made his return to wrestling on Friday night. And guys, when I say it was awesome, it was awesome. Like WWE had SummerSlam this weekend, which is it's one of its four big pay-per-views. And it was, in my opinion, overshadowed by a smaller rest, brand new wrestling company, AEW, for the return of CM Punk. He came out first, spent 20 minutes, and the crowd was on their feet hot the whole time. And he talked about his absence. He talked about you know, his time at WWE and why he's in AEW. And then he set up his match with Darby Allen on September 5th. So pretty cool. Pretty good time to be a wrestling fan. I know you guys may not care about that, but for me, like it, I'm pumped up. I'm fired up. Like it's something that's been missing a little excitement, a little buzz. And I'm actually looking forward to watching wrestling again. I'll tell you what caught my attention in the wrestling world this week. Tell me if I saw this picture right. Does Brock Lesnar have a man bun? Brock Lesnar does have a what you call the Viking wannabe man bun. I, <laughs> I saw he, I saw that trending. So he he made his return at SummerSlam. Um, he got a big pop. Becky Lynch made her return, and you know I mean WWE had a good good weekend, but not not like this guy. 
So why are why are all these wrestlers making return the money getting thrown back at them? You know, what, what why are all these guys and girls returning at the same time? So what you have is you're you're going back to a time where owners have money. So Vince McMahon, billionaire, has tons of cash. Great business model, great corporation, built it up from the ground up. But now you have AEW, who is owned by Tony Khan, and Tony Khan is um, the son of the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who is a billionaire. So over his his business ventures and working with his dad, he is now, you know, their family is a billionaire, so he has money. So now you have AEW has this money. WWE has this money. AEW has enough money to throw it and get good, like, high-profile talent in, and WWE is now having to try to match that. Um, on top of the fact that WWE is public, so they answer to shareholders, and shareholders want investment on their return, or return on their investment, and so WWE gets rid of, you know, lower salaries and lower guys that they're not doing anything with so that they can bring guys like Brock Lesnar in bring guys like John Cena in, bring guys like The Rock back in. Um, Randy, this is how we get the bag. We've been losing this weight, getting shredded up. Let's go get the tag team titles, bro. Let's do it. Can I get a man bun? Yeah. you imagine? That could be you, Randy, right there. I got the Frohawk to go with you. Let's get it. I got a Frohawk right now, too. I think we got one of us has to lose it. I'll go with the man bun. Hey, we're gonna like we're gonna be the new version of the nasty boys. I'm doing like the armpit move for my for my my move. Yes. Let's get it. What was y'all's tag team name be? <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Really gotta think about this. Putting us on the spot. That's a little too that's another poll question. There you go. We'll get that there one out there too. Yeah, get it out there. If you got a name for Jim and Randy's tag team, hit us up in the comments. Hey, we're gonna go. Hey, we're gonna go down there and hit uh Mike Reels and them up at Redeem, and we're going to take over. That's where we start at. <laughs> Should this be one of those things where you say wrong answers only? <laughs> exactly. All right, guys, let's uh, let's get out of here. It's another great episode. I want to thank Latrell Bumpus for joining us. If you like hearing us average shows talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, your ratings, your feedback, your involvement in our surveys, all of that is always welcome. We'll see you guys next week for episode 28 when we got a big baseball episode. We got Luke Ellis from Ole Miss. We got Michael Dallas from Kentucky, and we got Jonas Sutton from Memphis joining us. This has been the End Off the Bench Podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, straight and grind all the time. We're out.